Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to Secret Artists Podcast, the podcast where funny people do art and have a chat. This week, sorry, I just say a mini egg, and you know when you get that sort of chocolatey bubble in the back of your throat. Yeah, well, that's what that was, and you probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't mentioned it. My guest this week is the absolutely fantastic Elf Lyons. She is very knowledgeable about art, art history, the process of creating in general. We talked about her shows, uh, her work as a teacher, how she inspires her students to create and lots more her economics podcast with her dad we've talked about that and we painted some absolutely disgusting paintings so if you want to follow us on instagram you can see those at secret art pod enjoy the episode Elf Lyons is an award-winning stand-up comedian, live artist, theatre maker, director and teacher based in London. Her comedy shows have been met with critical acclaim and in 2017 she was nominated for Best Show at the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. Elf's work has included reenactments of classical ballets, musicals about the economy, immersive horror shows and even lectures at venues such as the Barbican on the Surrealist Movement. She's been on numerous TV and radio shows including Comedians Giving Lectures on Dave, Comedians Against Living miserably also on Dave unexpected fluids on Radio 1 evil genius on BBC Sounds and BBC World Services stand-up show she co-hosts the podcast what the hell is economics with her father Dr Jared Lyons and I'm delighted to have her on secret artist hey Alf that makes me feel like I've achieved so much yeah you have I really like that that went on and on yeah and that's not even the full extent of it those are the the sort of chosen highlights just the top bits great I should bring so that well to done. my family every day, just yeah, to remind them. Yeah. So it's all right. I am all right. Don't need to worry about me. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe we should all read our own bios just every morning when we wake up. I still remember like getting a really awful review from the Times for that show that I got nominated for, and I could only read the top sentence, which was an ordeal. And then I couldn't read the rest of it because it was behind a paywall. And I was like, great, cool. And then my dad rang me and he was like, and he's he's very much on the spectrum, like literally. And he um he doesn't quite understand that you wouldn't want to hear all the all the feedback. So he's yeah. like, I know that you don't have the times, so oh I'm going to read it to you over the phone. <gasps> Why would anyone want to watch this show? <laughs> he just like, read dad? it out to me. It's like, thanks, Dad. Then I found a review of one of his books and then rang him and Amazing. read it back to him. And I was like, this is what happened. Was it also an ordeal? Yeah. 
He's like, fair enough, I won't do this. Oh my god. He doesn't talk like that. But does he read the uh, positive reviews as well? Oh yeah. Done the he's a big he's a big fan. I, I turns out I'm the only one that doesn't have my name on Google alerts or my oh, family. God, I, don't. I didn't know you can do that. Yeah. Because my parents or my siblings will know more about my comedy career than I do. Oh. And they'll be like, you got sweet. mentioned in this and I'm like, how did you know? Yeah. Like, oh, because it comes up. Oh, cute. It was just really sweet. Yeah. Nice. Um, so what we're here in my artist studio. This is the first time we've recorded here. So apologies about the... You're sort of surrounded by the paintings that I'm currently working on of a couple of my friends pregnant. I <laughs> and love it. Move them closer to us um, for sound purposes. So they sort of buffer some of the sound. Which but I don't believe. I think you just really... <laughs> yeah, it looks sure like I'm like, <laughs> so what do you think of my artwork, Elf? <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, it's a bit imposing, but we'll just ignore those. And we've got these tiny little square canvases to work on. These are great. So what what is it you want to want us to paint today? Have you got an so, idea in mind? So I had two ideas. I was going to bring. I have so much weird stuff in my flat, mm. and then I and then I totally forgot. So I apologise. But that's alright. You've just straight from, from a strike. Can strike. I'm obsessed with Etsy. Yeah. Um, and the, <laughs> the shop, yeah, 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 the shop, the online, yeah. And I was thinking of AI, and you know how you type in AI, and mm. they come up with these things that don't exist, but they look. I think about some of the ugliest things I've seen on Etsy, and I wondered whether we could just paint a fictional, not real, but terrible thing that you would buy on Etsy. On Etsy, many because I saw these ceramic. Wonder if I've got my phone. My algorithm is terrifying. Like what these, do they target you with? They uh, Well, this is it. I, it turns out they target me with really awful ceramics of frogs. Wow. And this is disgusting. Uh, Have you done lots of sort of Googling of frogs? I didn't think I'd done an exceptional amount of Googling about frogs, but clearly it, I've gone above and beyond. Yeah. Because <laughs> more than your average person. More than your average person when it comes to frogs. <laughs> it is worth it once I get this up. Or maybe it's not. But these, I get these horrible, um, like these are just terrifying ceramic frogs. Whoa. God, they're horrible. They are horrible. They don't even look... That, well, they're expensive as well. Fifty-five pounds. Fifty-five pounds. They look like old men, but with four. So they're like big, legs. white, bloated, maggoty frogs. And look then that, that one is spewing out vomit and has teeth. Oh my! That God. has the eyes of someone who's been in a hostage situation. That's like a Harry Potter-themed frog. So maybe Great. something like that. Maybe I love just that. like painting a nightmare. But that was just because this does well. We could. Combine the two, like a, a nightmare a, ceramic situation. Yeah. I'm going for it. Okay, so we're going for the ugliest the ceramic. The ugliest ceramic sort of animal thing. Animal mug, yeah, something. <laughs> something like that. Something sort of expressionistic, just yeah. a bit weird and abstract. Sure. So how was the strike? You're also, as well as being a fantastic performer, writer, etc. you teach full-time, is I that right? Yeah, teach full-time. Um, so it's a bit and so you've just come from the teacher's strike came from the teacher's strike did it feel sort of uplifting or it was actually do you know it was really I think it's weird because it's not just really about pay like everyone thinks yeah. it's about and there's so so many complexities about pay but it's more just the attitude of what it is to be a teacher and mm -hmm. what it means to, and what the job is so I mean I'm I'm the drama teacher mm -hmm. but 
you know, besides, you know, the stereotype of everybody find space, hmm. you are just, most teachers, their jobs are the safeguarding. Like, you observe, you see a child has got, like, oh, they've referenced, you know, beatings or they are finding it hard to sit down on their chair and, like, all hmm. this... You're constantly reading a class of students from backgrounds totally different totally different lived experiences and you're constantly trying to just keep them all safe yeah and then you know things like extremism grooming gangs and then you know occasionally carers or parents who aren't the best Mm -hmm. there's all this sort of crazy stuff on top yeah that you're just not really valued for doing yeah at the moment and i think people just assume that I, do you know what it was? I remember this during lockdown. It really got on my tits was how many people would do comedy routines about how they had to teach their children during lockdown. Mm. And I always used to be like, well, you're not, you're helping them, but yeah. you haven't created those schemes of work or you aren't the one who's marking all that homework. You're you're not actually... Doing the job of a teacher. Yeah. You yeah. Might, and that misunderstanding, I think, I think it's just an issue in the UK. Like, we just don't respect teachers yeah it's been it's been really interesting like it's it's cool but i mean it doesn't make me hugely fun because everyone's like how's teaching i'm like it's actually really really tough yeah <laughs> I, was like, I was like everyone's else brought the mood down again <laughs> what made you decide to become a teacher it's just wicked isn't it when like a kid finds themselves and, and also i think our industry the world of comedy can be so narcissistic and you can unintentionally you can only look you can end up getting so easily distracted by what everyone else is doing yeah you sort of forget you know when we first started doing comedy or i just remember you know you had no idea about what your career objectives were mm-hmm. you were just that experience of being with other people and that freedom of communicating mm. and you sort of you can easily lose that i think once you get into the industry side of it and then going back to the basics of this group of kids half of which have never gone to the theater before mm-hmm half of which, you know, won't go to the theatre or parents or family members have told them that theatre is rubbish. You know, you're their space for them to really communicate and, and be free yeah. and share a part of themselves. And that's, it's lush. Like, it's yeah. really beautiful to have that moment of knowing that you actually did impact a child's life or confidence. Yeah. And then when you get an email being like, you didn't get commissioned for this. I'm a bit like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. I've changed someone's life, yeah, actually. You know what? A child told me they felt free today yeah. and confident in their body. And I was like, that's probably, probably more, more valuable. A more cool thing. And have you been able to carry on doing your own live work alongside teaching? Yeah. It's, um, so, but it's a relief in a weird way, like moving away from teaching at the end of the next couple of weeks, like leaving and being able to just go back to writing and performing. But you, do, do you just have that, like... Do you feel like you go through cycles of being uber creative and then you just can't do a single single damn thing? Yeah, January I found incredibly difficult to motivate myself and especially with writing. I think it goes in waves for me in terms of whether I can be creative like artistically in terms of like fine art and painting mm-hmm. or writing. And if I'm really in a good path with one, it tends to be at the detriment of the other one. Yeah. Um but I, yeah, I did find January a real struggle. I think the cold and the dark and just the creating structure after mm-hmm. Christmas. And yeah, it's, it is hard. Do you find that it goes in waves, your creativity? Oh yeah. I, I can't, I just, 
I can't do it. Yeah. But also, do you know, I was thinking about this, like the pressure with Edinburgh, like the Edinburgh Festival, Mm. this weird like habit, and I swear any other art form, if you create a really good show, Mm. you're like, cool, I've created that great show. Let's tour it. Let's do it here. Yeah. Let's do it here. I'm really enjoying the show. Maybe not everyone saw it. Let's do it here. But there's this sort of, if it wasn't an instantly a success, Mm Mm-hmm then really talented artists view their work as a failure. Yeah. Or if it didn't get all the reviews they wanted, they think they mucked up or they didn't get commissioned or they didn't get asked to do Apollo. Or mm. And then shows that they enjoyed, they then throw away and then there's all this pressure to create a brand new show within that year. And you're like, it's not a healthy, that really sort of corporate machine-like churning brand new workout. Yeah. I don't actually think it's always that conducive. No, It can I be agree. a great work ethic, but I sort of, after this year, after doing Raven, I thought, you know what? That was a bloody brilliant show. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be prouder of it. And are you about to tour it? Or have so you toured? I have already toured it. And but how then, did it go? Yeah, it was great. It was good fun. But I was also... So I teach Monday to Friday, finish yeah. school at 5, 5.30. I'd get a train go up to Norwich, mm. perform, then someone or I'd get a car or I'd get a last train, get back to London at about one, and then... Go in and teach. And then go and teach the next wow. day. So, And then my half term, all of October, was I toured every day, and then I went straight back to school. And then Saturdays, I teach the Soho Theatre Labs course. Oh, nice. And then Sundays, I also tutor and mentor and stuff, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, I'm very busy, very, very busy. Plug, 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 plug. Lay a little plug for me. Haven't done a plug for a while. So I thought I'd let you know that I'm doing a work in progress show at the Leicester Comedy Festival on the 18th of February. Alarmingly soon. I'm also doing a work in progress show at Mac Comedy Festival in Wales. And that is on the 28th of April. So if you're sort of around and about the Leicester slash Wales area on those two specific dates, then I'd love to have you along. Um, You can get tickets uh, online. Have you heard of online? They're all on there really. Um, And it would be lovely, lovely to have you and all of your friends. Thank you. Do your students know that you perform as well? They do, but they're so they're so funny because it's just obviously they're not going to find any of it funny. They think I'm funny, yeah. But then they're like, "Miss, my grand told me she really likes your stand up, but I watched it. I didn't find it amusing at all." And I'm <laughs> like, like, "You know what? So much. You know what, Dino? I think that's great because you are 13 and you are not my target demographic." <laughs> He's like, "Fair enough, Miss." Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, really cute. I don't know what I'm doing with this mug. No, neither. And I've I've sort of just done a frog, but I'm gonna make it progressively uglier. Yeah, cool. I um, think it's like, what's the ugliest thing you could give someone? You know, if yeah. you get that, do you get this? Like, what's the worst gift you've ever received? That's a good question. Um, I hate the sort of stuff that has slogans on it. You know, mm. like the live, laugh, love type things. Yeah, I think probably people know me well enough not to get me something like that yeah I can't think of the worst thing I've ever been given what have you got something in mind well my brother for Christmas got me I was you know what I'm just I'm so pissed off about it so I got the family I took everyone to see go to the National Theatre because I thought family theatre trip that would be cool yeah and then I got us all tickets to go and see that weird 
ABBA thing. Oh, I'm going to that. I got my mum tickets. Okay, I will say nothing. But I got tickets. You're saying it like it wasn't great. No, do you know what? It is incredibly phenomenal in so many ways. Okay. And I think if you like ABBA, you will have the best time. As someone who has no interest in ABBA... Yeah, that's a strange choice of booking. Yeah, (laughs) but it was purely because the rest of my family love ABBA. Right. I was like, cool, I'll take them to see ABBA. Did they have a great time? They had the best time. And then for my Christmas present, and I'm not saying... My fiancé would argue that I did have a tantrum. (laughs) I would say, I didn't have a tantrum. I just had a very calm cry in my bedroom under my bed yeah that's not about, a tantrum for about 10 minutes and then i then i dealt with it but my sister got me a book of mime games for 10 year olds which i think considering mind tra- games mime M-I-M-E, mime yeah which i thought considering i'm trained as a mime yeah i, I don't quite need and then my brother got me <laughs> some male cologne right um, davidoff and i'm not saying does it smell nice it, well it smells very much like cedar and sheddy shed stuff Mm. it smells like a shed do you think your sister going back to the book was like oh she's a teacher she likes mime combine the two yeah forgetting you're not 10 yeah I think she forgot I wasn't 10 I think she just forgot who I was did you say anything on receiving the gift no I just sort of calmly got up and went and had a cry Um, but that does sound I mean that sounds more everyone obviously takes the mic and then like 10 minutes later and it's all fine I think it was also I then got a journal which they were like it's got a guinea pig on it and it actually had a hamster and I thought how can you not know the difference between a hamster and a guinea pig yeah and again my family said you're too sensitive you need to you need to toughen up How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know what your love language is? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I can't remember. I think it is acts of service. Yeah. <laughs> and... What are the others again? Um, so there's acts of service. Um, there's touch, isn't there? Yeah. There's gift giving. 
Um, I, I really love giving gifts. Yeah. And obviously I like receiving gifts, but I think I prefer giving them to receiving them. Oh my God, giving is the best. Yeah. I have to give my presents first on Christmas Day. Oh, do you go round in order? Yeah, but I get so excited about my presents, I have to be the first person. That's which sweet. again shows that I am an absolute tantrumist diva. Are you the youngest child? No, I'm the oldest. Interesting. You the youngest or oldest? Youngest. Yeah, you well, give two. such older sibling energy. Do I? Yeah, you're what, so chill. What that, is that a chilled thing? I think so, because the older sibling, you it's like Joe from Little Women, you've had to sort of do it all. Interesting. Well, I'm the only girl. There's only two of us. Maybe oh. that's it. Yeah. Who bloody knows? I'm going to ask you some art-related questions. Well, yeah. actually, first, going back to your shows, I read um, in an article you did for The Guardian that you talked about combining silliness and horror Yeah. and described your work as a vexed clown. How do you go about the process of creating a show? If that's um, not too big and annoying a question. No, that's a cool question. I think the healthiest way to make a show in my opinion, is making a show about something that you love and are interested in mm -hmm. and forgetting what's fashionable. Like, forget, because good art sort of stands the test of time. We don't look at paintings and go, well, what was the big thing that everyone was on about at that time? What was the mm. cool... You could look and you go in and it sort of should transcend. Yeah. And so I like making shows about stuff that I really love. So I know if I could do them a few years' time or a few years later, I'd still be passionate about them. Mm-hmm. Well, so you tend to know, I think you can learn a lot more about a person when they're talking about things that interest them as opposed to when they just talk about their life. Yeah. Um, so I like talking about particular subjects. It's always to be a challenge. It shouldn't be easy. Um, and do you collaborate with anyone to yeah. create them? Oh, it well, it depends on what it is. Like, So, like, for example, with Raven, Raven was a comedy horror show. And I mean, the truth was, it was a bloody ball ache to make because trying to do that in full-time teaching, I just didn't have the time and there was so much pressure. Mm. So my mate Duffy, who I made shows with last year, he's deaf and does predominantly all, all his theatre, sort of like in BSL, VV, visual vernacular, mm -hmm. mime. He's an expert on that sort of stuff and he's a phenomenal physical performer. I sort of got him in and worked with him and I said, how can you help me make some nightmares using my body? Mm. <laughs> so we created some really What a cool, question. <laughs> yeah, we really had a good play. Yeah. Um, and the first time we'd met, I didn't, I didn't sign at the time, I didn't know BSL and now I do. Mm. And so when we met, it was purely like just us using nonverbal communication until oh, cool. I understood the language. And um, I've decided I'm painting a really disgusting brooch. I love it. Like that's, Full of eyes yeah. and teeth. Yeah, really horrible toothy, toothy. I've done a frog that I'm just going to make increasingly grotesque, I think. Yeah, great. <laughs> I love grotesque shit. Sorry if I'm swearing too much. No, not at all. I actually hadn't even noticed, okay, which is good. bad on my part. My sister said to me she just last night, she said, you swear too much. Got to make the most of not being at school. Yeah, and I don't know, it's because I'm a rebel. And I yeah. walked and she was so embarrassed. <laughs> anything I she gets really annoyed with me because I always pretend when we're together that we're a couple That's funny. Um, which I think is really funny and she says it just really ruins her life and she cries <laughs> but I really like pretending and then making it really clear that we are siblings but still in a relationship my dad booked us a girl's holiday the two of us last year because mm. he wanted us to bond because she's a doctor and I'm a teacher and we never really get to see each other 
and I spent the whole time trying to convince people that we were together at the hotel <laughs> and the fact we also had a double room and my sister was just like why are you doing this for me I was like I love it when you play hard to get people find it really odd it is it's funny but I can imagine her finding it disturbing yeah she finds it really disturbing um um, I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, oh yes. yeah, so, so creating the show. So the way I made it was... I wanted to make a show that scared the audience. That was my challenge. How do I scare an audience and make them laugh at the same time? Because the two are very similar. Mm-hmm. They've sort of a couple of rhythms off. And I wanted to... My challenge was I wanted to use my body more. Do you always approach it in that sort of academic way, like your objectives and... yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I think that really that really helps me because if mm-hmm. you take it outside of yourself and you actually kind of make it a bit of like a to do list, yeah, it doesn't become this. How does this represent who I am to this audience? Yeah, and also there's I think there should be a separation between you as a person, yeah, and you as, in a horrible way, the comedic product that you present, like the persona. Yeah, there needs to be a little bit of so if the show's completely, you know, panned if people don't like it. It's not you they don't like. It's yeah. you can still have that safety. Um, and the show was about this show ended up being really personal because I ended up talking a lot about boarding school, um, which I know most people, you know, the moment you say that, people will immediately make horrible judgments and will usually just immediately like cross their arms. Um, about a particularly scary thing that happened when I was at boarding school when I was a kid and sort of trauma and childhood trauma and stuff like that Hmm. so how do you navigate that and do that in a way that makes the still keeps the audience safe it terrifies them still unites everyone but also makes them laugh it was exciting yeah it was really exciting Um, and was it purely physical the show so there's like there's a lot of mime there's loads of dances in it I sing at the end of the show I smash up loads of vegetables to killing in the name of as if they're penises Um, (laughs) like it's pretty anarchic it was you know what it's a it's a cool punk show yeah but like I don't know I get a lot of inspiration from live artists as well Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff so you would never sort of sit down at a computer and be like what is the show going to be no I think I've drawn you, you know. I think you have, actually. Were you, um, you did the life modelling at Machantle yeah. Comedy Festival. Yeah, Mac Fest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I love doing that. But I always used to get booked, um, especially when I did nude stuff, because you, you had to, I remember for the Royal, there was this website to sign up to register as a life model. Hmm. But to get actually registered, I must have been about 22, I just finished my master, my BA, hmm. um, and I was sort of in London going, right, how do I make a living and try and be an artist, right? Artist model, obviously, cliche. Hmm. Um, but you had to turn up and go to a life drawing class and pose for them for free but prove that you could basically that you could hold the poses so you weren't just a chancer going like yeah I can do oh so it was just like a trial shift like a trial shift and you didn't get paid no you didn't get paid I mean goodness it must outrageous I mean yeah but 
you know, obviously loads of biscuits. Yeah. So it wasn't all bad, age 21. But then, I, and I did a good job, and then I, I got sort of validated on the website, and I used to, you know, spend my days trekking off to all these random... Artists always live in industrial sites. Like these, yeah, they're always never, freezing cold. Always freezing cold, and I would always be in these bizarre places. And I remember a guy, I, got, I used to get loads of work, and I was like, why did... Why do you pick me? Like, I was just interested. And he was mm. like, well, you're very unsymmetrical. Like, my body was unsymmetrical, like scoliosis and all these, like, mm. slight curvatures of my body and my hips are slightly at different heights. He was like, you're really... You're quite wonky. I was like, oh. I'm like, thanks so much. Like, Cheers. <laughs> thanks, man. But that was really interesting because it ended up being my strength for a period of time I could yeah. pose for all these different artists predominantly men as well that was the only annoying thing was like uh, I mean they were always very good professional artists but I was like oh I'd like to just sit with another woman and have a chat as opposed to did you feel quite exposed when you first started doing it yeah there were a few times I was a bit like mm -mm, this doesn't but you could always tell who the because you'd ask to see their work and you could yeah. tell if they were just a guy who had some income who just wanted to pay girls to be naked really which, there's a lot of people who are like that um, god I'm so naive I, I, like I, there's just there's loads of guys who will just pay and they'll pay decently but they just want to take erotic pictures of girls and oh, so they'll go to the class and what will their work just be quite bad yeah and then they'll take pictures of you yeah or not you know so this would be private like private sessions and they'll be like we'll pay you. so I think I used to charge 20 quid an hour 30. I think that was the average mm. it's I not did a lot it. is it yeah I remember the, the only time I actually insisted I keep my clothes on was I did it at the Greenwich Maritime Museum for their, their artists there and it was in their main room and it was too cold yeah it was like January and I, re I think they were really cross that I didn't want to take my clothes off we should have a heater I was like, crazy. yeah well, it was this tiny heater but I said it's really not good enough so yeah. I ended up I agreed to get my tits out <laughs> so I had my I'll get one boob out I was like I'll have my tits out but I'm keeping my jeans on yeah I used to do it for Ardman Animations as well when I was at Bristol wow for their, their animators Should you feel self-conscious or were you just like I think definitely actually like now being naked has I, like I do it a lot on my shows and I don't really have any concern hmm but I think then there was this, I think there's that expectation when you're a young person to be really free and liberated and actually you're spending, you're doing it in order to become liberated. liberated yeah. And did you ever model for a class where you knew anyone who was drawing? Yeah. I remember doing it for the Bristol Uni Art Society and the guy who did it actually, I remember it turns out he used to approach girls privately and ask them to go back to his so he could paint them. And I'm oh like, maybe God. that wasn't pervy, but in hindsight, I'm almost entirely certain it was. Yeah. But there was, yeah, I did a lot. I remember as well, like there was a guy who I really fancied from the Bristol Drama Society and he was there and I was just like, God, this is so embarrassing. And I was like, well, at least let's just show him that I'm really good at staying still. As <laughs> he knows, I'm a really good life model. And was he nice? Um, I can't remember. I think actually, you know what? I think he was pretty bad at drawing. And I think that puts you well, off. Well, yeah, jokes on him. Do you ever have that? You see someone who's like really into something and then you see them do it and they're really not very good. Yeah. And all the attraction just goes. Yeah, ruins the magic. How was Golia and what made you decide to go there? I, 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 I always felt like 
I'd never found my people. I've always found socialising weirdly really, really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I, I love people, I've, I always found I found it really hard when I was at Bristol um, to sort of find my tribe. Yeah. Um, and then I and I was sort of probably similar to you actually. Like I didn't really. I, I don't think I was actually probably ready to go to uni. I was sort of over dealing with huge amounts of stuff like post leaving boarding school and then suddenly going to uni and I couldn't quite cope with the the freedom Mm. so I did my masters at Queen Mary in theatre and performance and that was I loved it because I could be academic and I could be really I was ready to learn and do the reading and create weird like really weird performance pieces and I was Mm. like Lois Weaver um Stacey McKeishi and like these really cool artists like yeah you know, talking about, you know, neoliberalism and the way it affects the art world and mm. theatre. And then I was like, maybe I should do a PhD. And that was that was the plan, to mm-hmm. do a PhD. And then last minute, I decided to do, to do Adelaide. So I had Amazing. nothing to lose. And then when I went to Adelaide, I met, I did a, there were loads of clowns, loads of people who'd gone to Gollier, loads of cool, interesting artists whose work I'd not really, and, um, you know, Dr. Brownfield Burgess was doing a clown course and mm. he had studied at Gollier. I did that for two days. And he said to me, he was like, you should, I must have been, you've been about 23. He said, you should go if you've got nothing to lose and you've got nowhere to be. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I didn't really have anywhere to be or anywhere to go and I didn't really know what to do. So I was like, yeah, why not? So worked, did random bits and pieces and then went out there and found my tribe. I yeah. felt like I found it was the first place I actually felt like I was really it was really difficult. It was really, really hard. But it was really uh it was like a proper community. Mm. That's so nice. And it was nice because I think it's odd, like it gets I think clowning gets a really weird reputation. People sort of sneer on it. But like Gollier, any they didn't audition, so anyone can go. Oh, really? You can, yeah, anyone can go. You can pay for two weeks at a time, paying cash, paying this. You don't have to have any theatre training. One of the guys from our class had used to be a bus driver in Coventry and had just had, just decided to do something different. Wow. And, um... And there's no pomp, it's not like, you know, every different shape and size is there. It's not like certain places where they go, well, we've already got one person of this. Mm, yeah. It's far more, and it's in this, like, ugly little, I mean, this ugly, like, the Orpington of Paris, this, like, <laughs> run-down town. It was, it was just lovely and liberating and... It, yeah. And was, did you love it sort of from the off or were there times where you were like, this is too challenging or oh, oh draining? Or? Yeah, I like I always loved it, but it was awful at points. Like I cried all the time. I would Why? Cry because like you do exercises like you have to dance in front of each other or pretend I couldn't get things wrong. I found it really hard to get things and Philippe was always like, You're so desperate to be loved. You're so desperate to be loved, but we don't love you when you are so desperate to be loved. And, and does he sort of shout stuff like that, like whilst the rest of the class is there? Yeah. But it's weird because he's not, he's actually, you know, you every, he's like this bizarre patriarch that everyone wants, everyone wants him to love you, everyone wants him to praise you. And the thing is, because he does, he does, he's not the best director by any stretch, but he does know what he's talking about. Like, if, 
I think if we had to name teachers mm. that are famous worldwide, you know, it's pretty incredible that he's one that you, you know, he's put teaching on, on. he's made teaching an art form in a very different way, mm. which was, and he was sort of the reason I decided to train to be a teacher. Um, because I thought there aren't actually many female clown teachers or female yeah. drama teachers. So do you teach clowning as part of the drama course at your school? Um, I mean, unofficially. I sort of just do what I bloody well like in the That's end. That's fun. I was like, right, my goal is just to teach these kids do to Do you shout free. at them that they're desperate to be loved? Oh, yeah, no, I'm a horrible teacher. I do a lot of things that Philippe does, but I do it. Like, actually, kids really like it when you mean. But in a really? nice way, but they always know what the joke is. Yeah. Um... And, you know, obviously they're children, so it's very... But, yeah, I mean, when I teach at Soho or when I teach in my actual clown courses, especially when you are dealing with adults, you can be a bit crueler. Yeah. And when I say cruel, it's like being cruel to be kind, just saying to someone, you're not... The reason that didn't work is I literally gave you clear advice on what would work. You chose not to listen to it because you thought you knew better, and you did it, and it didn't work. So there we go. And sometimes you do have to be a bit harsh on that. I think, I think I've grown this. I think I've overworked No, it. I love it. I think it's a sort of more is more situation with yeah. these. Especially with something that we're going to put on Etsy. Oh, yeah. How much do you reckon this would go for? They were up for weird prices, like £55.61 and stuff. Yeah. I suppose because these are one of a kind. Yeah. And that they don't exist yet. Do you do much painting? I know you're a very creative... You did that beautiful, was it a self-portrait? The clown painting you did for the exhibition that I put on. That was actually just a random bloke who I saw at a naked life drawing club. Oh, wow. He was naked, he was the model, obviously. He was just, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I paint, I was, oh my goodness, the, I felt so nervous about that. It was brilliant, it was so colorful, it was my main memory of it. It was a really beautiful painting. Was, was it painting or chalk drawing? It was pastel. Pastel, pastel. yeah, it was great. Pastel's my favorite. Mm, that's pastel. nice and thick. Oh yeah. Paula Rago. Yeah. In fact, I've got a little booklet from her um, exhibition she did at the Tate. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Dog Woman. Is she one of your faves? She is one of my... I've got one of her giant paintings. I use her a lot, actually, in my classes. Do you? When I teach House of Bernarda Alba. Oh, yeah, nice. I actually use a lot of her paintings to help reenact. So it's a cool thing, actually, it's a really... Yeah, they're very dramatic. I'll pop her there as inspo. It's a cool thing, actually, to do if you're ever stuck for what to... If to write, especially from yourself. I always think writing from ourselves is always the... Sometimes the weak link. Yeah. Picking a painting and writing from that character's perspective or... That's a good idea. Me and um, Helen Duff did a show just before lockdown, which hopefully we'll do again. Yeah where we told the life of we reenacted Leonora Carrington's life. Oh cool. She's a really cool surrealist and yeah. she, you know, brilliant writer. But and her relationship with this artist Remedio Svara, who was also a great, you know, part of the Mexican feminist surrealist movement. Mm-hmm. And what was really funny was we weren't we weren't given the rights to show Leonora's paintings, which yeah. are really, you know, bonkers you know these wild Mm. animals they are like the female psyche or this sort of that desire to be free at that time and you know fighting from being the debutante and all this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and um we would describe the painting to the audience and then the other person had to mime it that's quite a cool physical me and duffy do that a lot actually like you show someone a pain you show each other a painting and you have to use your body to recreate it and the other person has to then draw it 
that's cool. It's a cool. It's a cool exercise. And that's part of the rehearsal process, or is that yeah something you would well, improvise on yeah. stage? Improvise on stage, rehearse. I do it sometimes with my students just to warm them up. Yeah. There's so many amazing artists. I think if you're just in doubt, just looking at paintings is food for the soul. If you could own any artwork in the world, what would you choose? There's a painting that Lee Miller took of Dora Maar, mm. which is really powerful because the perception we have of Dora Maar is that famous Picasso painting mm. where she's all like abstract, you know, bright colours and crying. And that's sort of how she gets remembered as, you know, Picasso's ex. And Picasso treated her awfully. Mm-hmm. And there's something really... She's very sad in this painting. She's been very, very... in this. It's a photo. Um, you know, there's this great pain. But there's something about the dignity that Lee Miller, her female friend, has of shooting her friend in this period. Yeah. And there's something so calm about it. Um... And I like I love that because especially the surrealists, all the focus often goes on the men and, the, yeah. and all the women who were around them, who were friends, who created their work that didn't get the attention. Like Leonora, I think it was Leonora Carrington, or mm-hmm. actually I think it was Dora Maar. So Max Ernst, who was like you know getting off with everyone um, Peggy Guggenheim even though she was madly in love with Max Ernst and fancied him I think still paid and supported and voiced and wanted um, Leonora Carrington like helped showcase Leonora Carrington's work in America oh really and I thought that was really beautiful because this yeah. perception of like them being competitive with each other or yeah actually there were so many women giving each other legs up and helping each other in that world and in that industry um, have you got um, Katie Hessel's book that's worth reading no I haven't The History of Art Without Men oh no I've just started it it's, it is very good have you read there's a really cool book by Siri Hustvelt I, I think I've probably absolutely destroyed her name I'm also going to get rid of these feet I don't like them so I'm going to remove them um, there's also have you been to the Musée d'Orsay I have, but many years ago. There's this really, I hope it's still there, but like on the ground floor, there's this giant, what giant painting of these giant cattle walking through water. Mm. I remember just sitting there for about a good 40 minutes once just watching that, just looking at it, thinking it was amazing. Oh. I really, Rodin, the Rodin exhibit as well in Paris. Mm. Like, oh goodness, you can, that is a good place to flirt. Oh, really? Everyone gets so turned on at the Rodin. No one leaves that. All those sexy nude sculptures. Yeah, it's really sexy. That's the kiss as well, isn't it? Oh, hello. How is hosting a podcast with your dad? How did that come about? Oh, my God. Um, Whose idea was it? I assume yours. Yeah, it was... I just really love my dad. Like I just, oh, that's I just, nice. I just really love him. I think he's great. Um, like I, yeah, he's just he's always been there for me. Like I'm, you know, he's a he's a good man and he loves economics and he's he's in the public eye in a very different way. Like mm-hmm. I think it's difficult, especially for other people 
when you've got family members who maybe get criticised and get slagged off or get, you know, it's horrible. Like, it's really, it affects you more than if you get criticised. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad's knowledge of economics is something, like, I've always carried with me. Like, I've always loved economics because my dad loved economics. Mm. And bec- it mattered to me because it mattered to him. And it was something, because he always said to me, he was like, become an artist. He said, because you love it the way I loved economics when I was a kid. Oh, like he, he that's was like, just do it, you know. And my, you know, so that was. And I think we we were originally going to write a book together. That was the plan a few years ago. And then I, we were planning to write this book. And then I got really sick with my spine. Mm. And I was very in a really bad place mentally. And so I was like, we need to put the book down. I can't, I can't do that. I need to just, you know. And so I thought, you know what? A fun podcast is a good opportunity for us to hang out. Yeah. It could be fun. And also, I think people who don't really... who We live in a habit now where everyone listens to everything on podcasts, but nobody actually reads the article. They read yeah. the title. I was like, it could be a way of getting economic ideas across yeah. to that audience. We were aiming for that audience who, who go in to study economics, who still love economics before it's sort of ruined for them. Hmm. So that was the goal. But it's I mean, interesting. It's... I've listened to a couple of episodes. Oh, thanks. It's um, I think having you asking questions in a more accessible way really works in terms of bringing people in who, yeah. like myself, necessarily know about economics. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, it's the first time we've ever done it, so we're still finding our keys in the dark. Yeah. Do you find that now? Do you ever listen back to like your first episodes of this and go, ah, oh, I could have done this or this or this? I haven't done yet. I'm not brave enough to. <laughs> but I probably should. It's definitely helpful having to listen to the edit every week and being like, oh yeah, I do that and I shouldn't do that. And it makes you more aware. It's like, do you record your shows and listen back to them? Or No, I've never recorded. I never watched myself back. I never I it's like painful but I do think it's helpful yeah everyone says this everyone says it and everyone's like you need to and my partner's like you need to because the amount of times I've improvised and then I just don't but I don't, I don't know I, don't, I think I'm too far gone now I don't think I'm ever going to listen to anyone and do it I think mm. I've just accepted that's not me my goal is with the teaching one day to eventually set up my own theatre school oh you know, cool for adults you know yeah to teach them especially like a particular more femme way of clowning and physicality and stuff yeah that's the dream but also I'm writing loads of stuff at the moment and I think that's the next step yeah I'd love to be in like a stage show I think that would be really cool to be in like a stage show to be in 220 a ghost story would be super fun after Cheryl's done I know they seem to only be casting not actors not actors which is really bloody annoying I don't know what I've made this so messy it's gone that horrible muddy colour yeah my fang has done that so I'm just doing some green around the edges portrait or landscape portrait Hockney or Cezanne Cezanne can you separate the art from the artist yes Tortured artist or rational teacher? Rational teacher. Sad clown or happy baby? Happy baby. (laughs) Rom-coms or horror films? Horror films. Talk about or think about art? Talk about. Looking at a a painting close up or far away? Far away. Private view or view of privates? 
sorry, I had to interpret what that meant. Private view of you or private? Probably private view, because that sounds consensual. Mm, yeah, true. Swans or ravens? Oh, dear. Probably swans. Painting from life, landscape or still life? Life. Art or music? Art. Art or books? Books. Comedy or economics? Comedy. <laughs> Comedy or art? Oh, I'd argue they're both the same. Mm. Mm. Very mm. nice. Very nice. Oh, that felt really good. Oh, good. You don't do quick fire enough in life. I love bad art. I'm oh my god. Sign mine. Bad art is my favourite thing. Yeah. What's your worst painting in the world? Oh my goodness. I am. Um, Aside from these two that we've just done. So this is really. T- I was going out with a lovely person in Paris, um, and she was an artist, mm. and she sent me some of her artwork, and one of the paintings was a self-portrait of her giving this man a a blowjob. Wow. It, it was done in the style of the Fauves. Like, you know, those spot paintings. Oh my god. And I remember That would have taken ages. And it was yeah, <laughs> I, it took me ages and I was thinking you know, how did you do that? And did he know? And did you go from photograph? Like Yeah. Like what what And was she, she with you at the time? Yeah, well, we were sort of seeing each other at the time, and she, very, a really lovely lady, like, really lovely lady. Um, actually, there was there was a person, an individual, who I was also with at the time in Paris, very, very cliche. Um, and they, when I went back to their apartment, they said, oh, I just want to let you know that I love art. Wow. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, great, I love art. And she went, no, I really love art. And I saw this painting and I thought it is so beautiful, I want it on me. <gasps> I was like, oh, cool. And oh, is it a tattoo? She got on a tattoo of, you know, the Salvador Dali painting of the woman naked. And yeah. there was like a, a tiger jumping out of a fish, jumping out of an eye, drank, you know. Oh my God. She got on that done terribly, might I add. Where was it on her body? Over her entire back. God, that must be quite annoying every time having to be like, right, okay, so I love art. And <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. I love art, but I do not evidently respect this artist because I've gotten their work mutilated. At least on it's on body. her back, so she doesn't have to see she it. Have to, but I had to, and I was thinking, this is just, and it was actually because I was quite drunk, it made me feel a bit sick. Yeah. It was just completely blurred. I thought, out of all the paintings you go for to tattoo on yourself, yeah. Salvador Dali is like the most complex. A melting clock might be quite cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I bet there's so many. Yeah, I bet there are. What I just ta- don't think you want a f- someone else's figure on your yeah. on your own body, I think. You've got to go. What would you get tattooed if you had to get a piece of art? If I had to get a piece of art? Yeah. God, I'm phobic about needles and don't have any tattoos, but if I had to get a piece of art, I might go for something like one of the swirly bits from Starry Night or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good Quite basic one. pitch answer. But. That's a great one to act out in your body. Oh, yeah. How would you go about doing that? Hey, you just got to just got to try it stuff do it when you get home or anyone listening to the podcast can yeah. try it afterwards I've never done that yeah it's a good way I always find looking at art for inspiration is the it's just this it, my mum's an artist and she was oh is she 
Yeah, she's super, like, her art's beautiful. What sort of stuff does she do? Big oils. Mm, Nice. And she's, um, and it's lovely to see her getting that side of her back because I think becoming a parent sort of, she stopped. Now it's so lovely seeing her being that creative individual again. Yeah. We used to go, we were so lucky, like we saw art all the time, art exhibits. And my mum and dad always said, never read the writing. Walk through, just look at the paintings that you're drawn to. Don't look at all of them unless Mm. you want to. And once you've walked all the way through the exhibit, you walk all your way back to the beginning. That's and I always thought that was a really healthy way to look yeah. at art. I always feel like I should read those little plaques and it doesn't really change anything about how you feel about the painting generally. Sometimes it can be like, if it's a key, if it's like really important, I mean, it depends what you count as important, but if it's like, this is of this particular person who had just done this at this time, if it impacts the way you understand why they did it. Yeah, or that, a sort of key historical moment that they're painting in the context of, it can help. But like, how many times, there's so many postcards I've got of artwork and I think, do I really need to know what was going on? Yeah. Does it matter? Right, I'm done. I'm done too. Should we swap? Yeah, let's swap. I love how grotesque this is. I love yours. I also really like the sort of impasto brush marks. It's very impressionistic, but also expressionistic. Like the style of the paint feels quite impressionist, but the actual like subject matter he's just harrowing. his sort of surreal slash expression expressionistic evil happy demon yeah it's sort of angelic fangy frog tongue like one of the angels you know the angels that fight I can't remember what yeah but if it was an amphibian based heaven and hell yeah I love it Beautiful. I love all the eyes on this the worst brooch and then the worst art. The worst art, although I think you've written the wart art. Which actually makes it... Have you? Yeah, I I've, written, written, yeah I've spelled the wart art. I love it. Which enhances how bad it is, because it's spelled <laughs> yeah. wrong. The wart art. It's such it's a perfect. Thank, Thank you so much, Al. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing it. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, then why not leave us a lovely five-star review? And... Follow Elf, for God's sake, if you're not already following her on Twitter, she's at Elf underscore Lions, and on Instagram, she's at Elf Lions. If you want to see our horrible, horrible, horrible paintings from today, follow Secret Artists on social media, at Secret Art Pod. Next week, we have the final episode of Series 4, and then we're going to have a bit of a break. So, um, that's sad, isn't it? but also a chance to listen back to episodes you haven't listened to before. Like, have you listened to the episode with Morgana Robinson? No, we'll go and listen to it then. Have you listened to the episode? I'm not going to do that for every single guest we've had, but you get the idea. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If you want to donate a bit of cash, then I think you can do that via a link in the show notes. I'm not very good at the sort of the business end of things, but um, what I do know is... We'd love some of your money. (laughs) Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Secret Artists is a Turtle Canyon comedy production for Acast. Music by Alistair Clayton. Quickfire Round Music by Steve Dunn. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.